you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Austin Kerr. Welcome, Austin. Hello, glad to be here. Excellent. And Austin, you have more than one foot into the world of management. You run a company that is a management software helping business owners how to actually manage their teams and so on on a day-to-day basis. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Before we start talking more about management, would you mind giving us a little bit of background into who are you and how have you ended up where you are right now? Yeah, so basically I've always kind of been in a managerial role. Right out of high school, I was in a, a rock band. I toured a little bit, started doing tour management, um, which is where you're hiring all the different staff. One thing that's really unique about working music industry is all of your hires, instead of them being people you see for eight hours a day, they're people you see for 24 hours a day. You know, They're sleeping in the bunk right above you. So a lot of those yeah. hiring decisions are even more crucial. Um, so after being in there for about eight years, from managing, traveling a bit, I then went into running some theme parks, which was kind of a similar-ish field. And then from there, went more into like, uh, you know, normal corporate world. I was a senior executive at an investment company for about six years. Cool, cool. Yeah. And then basically through the, when I first started at the investment company, I started in an IT slash HR area when we just started out with a few employees. I was there through all the growth. They won Inc. 500 uh, three years in a row. And I then went to sales and marketing and I was always like the senior over it. So I ran all the employees on sales, marketing, HR, and IT. And through that time, I also ended up meeting that company to have some custom software. So that's how I ventured into software world. From there, once I got established, I understood what software could do and how it could make my life easier as an HR and as a manager of several teams. I then left that company and then started to manage it, which is a software which helps people manage their teams and manage employees and do HR. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Employees, people. Let's talk about people. Hiring. Yeah. How 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 does one hire the right people, Austin? So one of the things that I see a lot of companies doing wrong, unfortunately, is that they try to sell people on their company. So recruiting is a little bit more like sales. And when they're talking to people about their company, they're sometimes negotiating pay rates, uh, which can kind of be a bad flag. They can give ideas about how nice the training is or how great the the office is set up and all the free things you had, et cetera. And it's good to have those things because they're incentives, but it's important not to give someone a false idea of the company because what you're doing is you're convincing them to come. And then once they come and that isn't the reality, you're not as organized as you've seen, you're not as set up as you as they would want, then you're going to have to continue to convince them, usually with money, to stay. And so that's one of the big areas that I find people err in, in that hiring process. Is in a hiring process, you're trying to make a really genuine connection with people, and you're trying to understand how they're going to play in the teams you're going to add them to. And so I usually try to make my company seem worse than it is. I want to tell them that, everything is more of a mess than it is, that they're going to have to work longer and harder than they're actually going to have to. 
Because what's going to happen is then when they come in, right, I've set that expectation that it's going to be one thing. And then when it's better than that, now they're going to feel like, wow, this is a great company. Whereas if you tell someone, oh, we have unlimited pay time off and we have this, and it's not really that simple, right? You're, you're, you're not going to give them unlimited. You're going to uh, scrutinize on some things, whatever. And then they come in, then they're going to feel like they are getting something less than what they expected. And then they're going to be immediately unhappy. And that can be the same company that's offering the same things. So it's really important, even when you need hires, that you don't try to, it's not a sales job. It's an interview. You're saying, should I choose you to be a part of my team, to be a part of my company? Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So uh, when you start hiring and so on, how let, let's talk about determining the roles and so on, right? How, how do you make sure you actually get the right people on board? So one thing that's a really important factor that you want to play with is um, experience. So some people would start a company and they're going to want the most experienced people to come in and make the company the, the idea of what they think a company should be, right? And yeah. so... I usually say that when it comes to experience, experience can be great, but you're going to want to, if, if someone's, and I, and I want to separate, so I'm not talking about experiences in like they know how to, uh, or if you're hiring some contractors, they've contracted before, they've hammered nails, they've done some plumbing. I'm talking about more experience than you. So if they came from like a bigger company or a more successful company than you, or they were in a management role and you bring them in, they're going to expect to be in the way that, like they're going to expect to have that seniority sometimes even over you. So if you start a company and you go for like, let's say I have a software company and I go for the best Google employees and I try to, to bring them over to my company or they're looking and go, oh, great, this guy has all this wonderful experience. He's going to come and make my company as successful as Google. And what's going to happen is you're going to have a really badly balanced team. And those employees, if they're more experienced than you, if you're the CEO or the manager, then they're often not really going to listen to you. They're going to have a, it's not really gonna, gonna mesh. So if you have someone that's around you that's more experienced than you, that has that great executive experience, you're gonna want them as a mentor because then that communication is gonna come from in, in the right direction. Whereas yeah. when you have someone being an employee, you always want them to have somewhat less experience than you or be, be eager, be trying to learn. You're gonna wanna expect to train them. If you're hiring staff, you wanna expect to train them. That way they can come in and be a part of your team as opposed to being part of the team. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So do, do you think you should always hire people that are less experienced than you? Or is there exceptions? I would generally say you want to always hire people who are at the same or less experienced than you. There's definitely, like I said, there's things you can do with those people, right? You can put them in uh, a board of directors. You can put them in uh, as a mentor. You can You can use them in different ways, but the only time where you would want to take someone who's more experienced than you is when you can honestly tell that they're coming in the, into the situation with a learning attitude. You want, like, like I said, you want employees who are going to try to be a part of your company. They're not living at some past company that they were a part of or some past role. You want someone to start in your company from day one. How is the best way to do it in this company? How's the best way to set up things in this company? When you, like I said, when you want someone who's a little bit more experienced and you want that someone to tell you how things should be done, then they should be an employee. They should be a consultant. They should come in saying, great, I have this plan. I'm going to help you implement it from that position. Because then once you're done with them, you can let them go. Or if things aren't working, you, it, it's a very different relationship. And you're going to be looking at the right way. And they're going to be looking at it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Interesting. And the other, yeah. The, Interesting. the other factor with, with hiring people who are more experienced, often I find, 
is that they are going to be more expensive. So you're also going to run into those, those balance problems, right? For, for a lot of reasons, it's really important when you're hiring that you look at not just what you're trying to achieve, but you have to think about the fact that when you're hiring an employee, that person is going to be with you for the next year, two years, five years, you want them to be there. And so more than just what's the result, you have to think about what's the process going to be like, how, how enjoyable will it, will it be to work with them? How much will the other people work with them? One of the things I often think about when I'm hiring for someone to be a part of a team is I will try to take stock of the employees I have and I'll try to find which employees are the most similar. And then I'll kind of base how their interactions will be with the other employees based on that one employee similar. That way you can yeah. kind of get a, a good idea of the chemistry that's going to be playing. So that that one I look at a lot. I So one of the things I've seen, particularly when you're doing larger scale hiring and you're hiring multiple people with very similar skill sets, right? One, one thing I've seen as a, as a huge hack is basically uh, comparing who is the people who are actually succeeding in your organization today mm-hmm. and how can you find more of those people? Because pretty often you'll actually see similarities and we've definitely, in some of the big organizations I've worked in, we've, we've benefited hugely from that because you can you can often see, I mean, one time I worked in IBM, right? And, and we were uh, looking, we were hiring quite a bit of customer service staff. And one of the things we realized was that if people had worked previously in, in you know, uh, as a waiter or something like that, often their, their performance would just be significantly higher, right? And that there was... We don't exactly 100% know how, but we make an <laughs> assumption that it's probably because they're, you know, if they're if they're driven by tips, if they're usually getting paid more, if they perform well, that makes them more likely to perform. But we basically saw that that repeatedly these kind of people were doing extremely well, and therefore we ended up targeting that type of people specifically when we were actually hiring, right? Mm-hmm. And that that significantly increased the performance of of the team overall. So that's uh, love. Love that tip. That's uh, that's super useful. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I found a lot of cases like certain types of jobs, especially where there's a lot of motion and uh, like random actions happening. Like a waiting staff, they they learn to think on their feet and they learn to think fast. Otherwise, they don't last long. And so I, I can totally see how in a lot of applications that sort of experience is extremely useful in a lot of different avenues of different worlds. Yeah. Excellent. Um. What about what about promotion? I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but when when do you promote people? When do you know they're ready? When when's the right time? So, I think that promotion, for one, it depends on what type of promotion, right? So, a promotion to management or a promotion to uh, a, a different area; those are kind of two different things. So, when you're talking about promotion to management, I don't typically look for necessarily the best performer because certain people are good at certain things, right? So, which is, is something else I want to touch on for a second. So like, in, for instance, at a company I used to work at, there was one employee who would have been horrible in a lot of roles, but where we needed her was managing a lot of complex details that at the time the system couldn't handle. So she had to keep a lot of it in her head. So she was, you know, a bit bossy, a bit rough on the feathers, but she was great at that sort of thing because she had a very good control of her space. And so someone like that is really great at that role while she would be, let's say, a horrible salesperson or a horrible uh, customer service person, that wouldn't be the role for her. So you also have to think about what role you're going for and who has those traits. So similarly, 
for management, I usually look for people who other people listen to easily, right? So I'm not necessarily looking for the highest producer. They have to be obviously not on the low side of it, but I more look at how they interact with others. And I can then tell how well they'll be able to execute orders, how comfortable people will be following them. And you can see that even just on people who have a, I don't know, a movie lunch in the office or something like that. You can see how these people interact, how they talk to each other and how receptive people are to your communication. And that's what I find to be as a base factor in deciding to promote someone. Now, when it comes to moving someone from, let's say, a less position like the, the mail room to a sales area, then I'm looking for other looking for how outgoing they are, how much they, they talk to people. You know, there's so many different factors in what makes someone successful, but I think you nail it right ahead when you're saying like looking at the people who are there and what sort of traits do they have, and then you want to scan the company for other people who have those type of similar traits. I would say it's usually a bad idea to promote someone just because they want more money. Unless yes. you can tell that they're a great buddy motivated person, well then, yes, yeah, sometimes putting them in that sales position will be the right fit, but you have to look for the other indicators as well. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. And um, yeah, what about employee valuation? I mean, I think one of the big things, particularly for, for smaller business owners, right, is when they have employees, like how often should they evaluate them? How often should they give them performance feedback, et cetera, in, in your eyes? So that, that's, a really, that's a really good question. It really depends on the size of the company, I would say, because employee evaluations are extremely important and it really gives people that understanding. I would say that you usually don't want to wait until an employee evaluation to give someone correction. That's something I've seen people do sometimes is where they will kind of stockpile uh, issues or situations and they'll wait for an employee evaluation. And a lot of times that employee will be blindsided because the entire time that you're waiting for that evaluation, they're going to be thinking that they're doing a good job. And yeah. then when you go and you break the news to them, they're going to have that reality shattered and it's going to create an upset. And they're almost always not really going to take the advice in the way you want it to be. So you're always better off correcting as things come up and not letting things pile up. But as far as evaluations go, if you're in a small company, doing them once a year is a great idea, not because that's necessarily the most valuable to the employee, but just because that's what you can actually commit to. It's extremely important that when you say, hey, we're going to do quarterly evaluation, you do quarterly evaluation. So you would never want to start with quarterly if you're a company with two, 20 employees, uh, you know, a young startup that maybe has five people, whatever, you're not going to want to do it because you're not going to. You're going to want to say, oh, great, we're going to do it annually. And then once you do it, go, okay, we're going to change it to, you know, every six months. Okay, now every three months, whatever. But you're going to want to make sure that you're setting realistic expectations on what the company is or what you're going to be able to do. And so when you get to a bigger company, yeah, those reviews are really important because they are extremely valuable to the employees. But you also have to know that when you do an evaluation, people are going to expect a raise most of the time. So that's another factor is you, that I, I would love to talk about is that you have to kind of plan to give people more money. A lot of businesses don't have plans for that. They hire someone and then they go, well, great, they're working at this rate. And they're not planning on increase. They're not planning on doing annual raises. And so when people, employees come and they go, hey, I need raises, hey, I need stuff, then the owner or the executives at a reactionary position and they're not really set up to handle that and so now they're sweating how much money do they have can they afford it what are they analyzing it based on 
And so that puts you in a really bad position business-wise and it can set up your budget to fail. So it's really important to plan to do those raises and to think about it ahead of time so that when it comes to the, to the review, you're not paying it off because you know they're going to ask for money that you don't have. That makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, but let's talk about that piece. Like, like how much is good? How, uh, how should you do? So when you evaluate an employee, what's a good raise? What's the right level? Oh, I would I would love to be able to give like a really solid answer on that. There's excellent. Honestly, I mean, there's, there's so many factors that go into that, um, yeah. namely your budget, right? So employees don't always think about it, but obviously there's a certain amount of income that comes in and a certain amount of uh, money that can go out expenses. Yeah. So, you know, you can't just give raises, right? And one of the things that you're going to be running into with raises is what I brought up earlier. If you're giving people the unrealistic expectation of your company, you're going to have to pay them to stay. And you can never really pay someone enough to be miserable, right? So yeah. some companies will focus on things like, uh, you know, rewards or uh, events that you'll have. And those things are great. They do add a lot to morale. But what really creates morale is job satisfaction. Someone knowing that what they're doing matters. And so if you can create a good system for tracking that people what they do matters and that they are affecting things. And every now and then you go, hey, great, you did law. I really appreciate it. Not something generic, not something that you do once a month. But if you actually take the time and you're paying attention, you notice you value people as people, then that's the thing that's going to make you have to spend the least amount of money because they're going to get something that they couldn't get somewhere else. And therefore, they're not going to be balancing you against the other employer who just got a big contract and is offering a better salary. Yeah. And I, one of the big things I always say to smaller business owners is that, that I mean, that there's a lot to be said, both for, for working larger corporations and working smaller businesses, but, but typically the benefit in smaller businesses is that you have to give people more responsibility, right? Because yeah. you simply have less hands and, you know, able hands are, uh, are hugely valuable. And, you know, as an employee, if you want to learn and grow, like doing that in a smaller business is often a lot easier. Like I, I've worked in big corporations myself and, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you spend years waiting for that promotion or, you know, yeah. someone to retire or someone to, <laughs> I, I don't know, get promoted themselves or whatever. But, but reality is in the corporate world, you can often wait a really long time sometimes. Right. Yeah. Whereas the benefit with smaller businesses is they need capable hands. And if you're good, if you can, provide value right like you can get a lot of responsibility you can get a lot of personal growth in mm-hmm. a really short span of time and I, I sometimes see people kind of mess it up for themselves by by being like hey you know if i need to do these two bits extra i need to get that much more money and so on right but but the whole thing is it's if you can grow as an individual and make yourself more valuable then the money will follow right but yeah, the whole thing is exactly as you said like businesses don't just have money. And that this is a lot of employees that kind of looking at companies and they're like, oh, well, they're a big company. They have unlimited money, but that's not how it works, right? Yeah, I mean, even Circuit City failed because they didn't have enough money, you know, and they were a huge, huge company that made billions of dollars, but yeah. there's a balance of expenses to, to income. One of the actionable things I would say, and to plug my software a little bit, something that it offers is tracking productivity through metrics. So when you have your company, it's important and it takes a little bit of work. It's not necessarily always a simple thing, but something like gross income is a really easy metric to know that you should keep. 
So my software key management makes it extremely easy. It's the easiest way to keep track of this monthly. If you had an Excel, it works similar to that, except you get a lot more analysis features. It's just as easy to put in data, plus you can connect it with other software. So instead of having to put your numbers in manually, you can just connect it to uh, Stripe or connect it to uh, authorized donator or payment processor, and it can keep track of those numbers automatically for you. Now, expanding that idea for salespeople, a lot of people understand that concept, right? Okay, cool. So I need salespeople to get understand how that they their performance is based on how much money they make, so we're going to keep track of their sales. But that same idea is useful as anyone who has a non-project-based job, right? So some employees, like my developers, I can't really give them a stat because what they do is different every week. There's no equal thing to producing. But for anyone who's not on a project basis, someone who produces chairs or who brings out customers or who cleans desks or who does shipment, all these people have reoccurring jobs. And so the way you manage these people is a little bit different. That's where management is useful for a lot of reasons. But namely, what I'm bringing up is the statistics. So if you have them track how many boxes they ship each week or how many uh, bags they produce or how many hires they make or how many desks they clean or customers come into the office, if you have them track these numbers, then you're giving them a way to kind of analyze give an analysis of what's producing. And it's not just that week is gone and now I'm into a new week doing the same thing, producing I have no idea what. So when you have those numbers work, and then you can kind of educate your employee on other people's numbers and how their numbers affect those people's numbers, you go through them maybe once a week or once a month and you have people say, oh, cool, this is what I produced this month. This is my numbers up to last month. You're giving them a game to play. Now they can play against themselves. And I've seen that time and time again allow for companies to have to pay people less, to be honest, because they have things produced. And you can also choose to maybe give them a bonus based on their metrics if they're you know consistent enough or you know depending on how high it is. And then now you can kind of incentivize that production and you've created a like a self-management machine. You obviously still need to manage these people, but having those numbers gives people clarity on what they're doing. And that can help them have purpose and then purpose means they're not trying to get money to compensate for their misery. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I think that sounds super interesting, Austin. So uh, so how long have you been running the software? So the software has been on the market now for about six, seven months. Uh, I spent about a year and a half building it before it went out. Um, yeah. And so it, it's, it's had a few companies that were in it from day one, you know, business owners that I knew, as well as uh, some of my former employers. So it, it's had a lot of experience to understand exactly what the people need who are using it. But there's not really another software that I found that really handles the problem of managing employees. So yeah. it also makes training employees something that's automatic because uh, another area that a lot of softwares I found, a lot of companies have problems with is policies and training. And the reason why is because policies and training change. And so most yeah. softwares and most systems aren't really built for change, right? So you, you go and you make your policy on sick days and you create it when your company is one year old. Well, by year two, you found that they had a lot of problems. It's too easy to get them or people are taking too many. Okay, well, let me make an adjustment. Well, now you have to take all those employees and have them read, read it. And then you have your new employees coming in. How are you making sure that they're trained? It's a lot of manual stuff to keep in your mind or in HR's mind. So in my software, it keeps track of who's read what, but it also keeps track of changes. So when you change something, it'll automatically notify all the 
old employees saying, hey, this is updated, you need to go and mark it as red again. And it gives you really clear readouts on who's read what. And it's, it's all automated. So you can just put the data in there and it'll handle assigning it to people based on their position or their, uh, their division or, or department. And it, it makes that, that whole subject a lot easier. And that way you can stand to hire some little bit cheaper employees who are maybe a little bit less experienced because the training's there and they're not going to be coming to you and taking up your time in order to know how to do your job. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, what What are some key resources that you have found super helpful in your career so far? And what are some resources, particularly in the sort of smaller business owners that you feel from a management standpoint have been, have been hugely beneficial for you? So there's a, there's a book called Good to Great, um, yep. which is really, really amazing. When there was a point, it was funny. So when I started management, I was still working my other job and I was, you know, working in the evening and I really wanted to get the product done. I thought it was going to be like a six month build and I'm taking about a year and a half, which was unfortunate and costly, obviously. And the problem that I really ran into is something that I had, I had kind of talked about a little bit earlier, which is where, even though I have a lot of experience hiring, when it came to building this new business, I didn't really think from the HR mindset. I was thinking from the I need something done. And so a lot of my hires were, were too quick. I would hire three or four, I would interview three or four people. I'd find the best one out of this three or four and I'd hire them. And say, Great, here's all the things I need done, let's do it. And I kept finding time and time again, I was getting led down the wrong lines and I was wasting time and money and I didn't have a product that was stable, that was wonderful, that made people happy. And so a friend of mine recommended I listen to Good to Great. And it's a really a scientific look at why some businesses were able to succeed while others failed. And he did a really in-depth analysis using stock market data and 10 years of data to find companies that succeeded as well as companies that failed and did that were in the same industries across his data set was I think a total of 30 companies. And he, he was able to really scientifically look at it and find what made some companies great, what made some companies not. And who first was something that he talks about which is that the most important thing you can do as a business owner when you have employees is the employees, is the hiring. Hiring is the most important thing because who you have on your team determines how easy or hard it will be to reach your goals. And so one of the changes that I made after doing that was I, instead of hiring or interviewing four or five people and going, great, this one's the best one, let me hire them. I interviewed until I found the person that was the right fit. Now, for me, that ended up being about 100 people for each position I was hiring for. And what that did is the people I got, while they're the same pay rate as the other people I was hiring, those people produced at least three to four times the amount that the other people did. Now, not that those other people are bad employees necessarily, but they weren't the right fit for me and the way I work and the team that I was building. And so over, I, I basically had built a software over the course of a year and a year, year and two months that was buggy, that was laggy, and I ended up having to trash a lot of it. And in about four months, was able to rebuild my product almost entirely with that new team. And that was like one of the biggest things that I learned was just that I wasn't putting enough importance into hiring. I was really just looking at them as an ends to a, a means to an end, as opposed to someone I was going to have to deal with and work with every day for the next 10, 20 years. And so when I changed that viewpoint, and it was because of that book. He has a lot of nuggets of wisdom in that book. But that book, I would say, really, really helped. Love it. Uh, Jim Collins, generally an amazing author. Um, amazing. 
a book I really loved from him was was called Great by Choice as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is excellent. And he had another one called uh, Built to Last. So that, that those are also great resources and, and amazing books for managers. So, yep. yeah, Absolutely. lots of good resources, lots of good resources. <laughs> so, uh, Austin, if people are eager to get hold of you or get talk to you or whichever, what's the best way to contact you? So the best way to contact me, uh, you can always send me an email if you have any questions. I'm happy to give some free advice about management at any point in time, uh, which is just austin at humanagement.io. That's H-U-M-A-N-A-G-E-M-E-N-T.io. And that's also where you would find the software, just humanagement.io. Go there, sign up. There's a free account if you just want to start keeping some metrics. It's free forever. Uh, Make a public knowledge base for your employees. That's free. Um, plans start at $5 per employee. There's a lot of really great features. It's less of a, a simple software and more of kind of like a, an ecosystem of pre-built tools that will give you exactly what you need to make managing an employee in your company easy, fun, not as stressful. There's m- many more solutions that I could get into in this, this podcast, but it really is a software that I poured all of my life's experience into. And a lot of other people's I been surveyed, been interviewed by a lot of other execs. And so it's, it's really just pre-built. You go in there, within 10 minutes, you're set up, you know what you're doing, and you can use it to improve the company. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Great. Excellent. And to the audience, thank you very much for hanging on all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.